0: Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Gina
1: and I'm Jason
0: and this week we're reviewing the remake that was 27 years in the remaking. Yeah, it's called Flatliners. So as mentioned, Flatliners is is a remake of the 1990 film of the same title. This one's directed by Niels Arden-Oplev, most famous perhaps for the um, Swedish version of Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Um, This one stars Ellen Page, Diego Luna Nina Dobrev, James Norton, and Kiersey Clemens as five gung-ho medical students who are about to start – Walking the line between <laughs> life and death. And I should just want anybody who um, is not a fan of, of really bad puns uh, to do with films uh, that maybe now is the time to walk away because uh, this one's probably yeah. going to have a lot. And don't
1: read any reviews of the film either because nobody can resist saying the obvious, flat, which is Flatliners, Dead on Arrival.
0: Oh, it's so good. Zing, wow. Flatliners, do not resuscitate.
1: (laughs) Flatliners, I would rather be in a medically induced coma for two hours.
0: Oh, that's so bitchy. Yeah, yeah, so maybe I should kind of uh, mention the plot because this is a very plot-driven film. Um, uh, It kind of centers around Ellen Page's character, who we find out in the first few minutes of the film um, may have been sort of unintentionally responsible for the death of her sister in a car accident. Uh, So she's got some, you know, some guilt, some issues uh, and some obvious interest in the question of is there an afterlife. Um, But she doesn't tell any of this to her other medical student friends. Um, Instead, she kind of convinces them to uh, play a part in a sort of what she presents as an experiment to find out if there is life after death in which they're going to stop her heart and then try to bring her back.
1: Yeah, while she's inside of like an MRI machine that's you know, because of science, because science,
0: you know? yeah. Um, yeah, so this, this works out quite well at the start. You know, she, yeah, they kill her, so they kill her. Kind of she's works. out, she um, experiences an out of body kind of has an out of body experience, she sees some lights. Um, it's all kind of magical. She comes back and suddenly her um, brain power. She becomes a brain genius. increased. Yeah. yeah she's suddenly she's unlocked really clever. unlocked her full
1: potential of her brain.
0: She plays piano. She bakes bread. Um,
1: yeah, the, the Bread baking was so weird. It makes no anyway. sense.
0: But, um, you know, obviously her fellow students seeing the academic potential of, of doing this um, kind of decide that they all want to do it too.
1: Yeah. I love that that's how the plot progresses naturally. It's like first they're like it's all set up like we're going to cross the plane and we're going to be the first people who find out what it's like to, you know, what goes on in the brain after death and what biological processes happen. Yeah, but
0: the but but the subtext is always like just imagine what kind of residency offers we're yeah. going to get if we do this. I
1: mean, I guess it is all about advancement, but I just love how they undergo like an incredibly unknown dangerous procedure where you basically bring your brain Close to uh, irreparable damage. Then they come out and they just basically go on these like binge drinking parties and they're like, oh, I want to flatline next because they just, you know, because people just become these geniuses after they um, are brought back from death.
0: Which is never really quite made clear. Um, Absolutely not. There there are sort of a a few strands to this film, one of which is this scientific angle, uh, you know, increase of brain power. The other is this. the the sort of mystical afterlife aspect because, you know, I guess the downside of the procedure, it turns out, is they come back and they're being haunted by... Something, What you think at first is sort of ghosts maybe who have kind of like come from the afterlife uh, and they're all like angry and and pale and stuff and and it's all very creepy and it's a kind of a typical horror film. Um, But
1: then the twists keep coming.
0: The twists keep coming and then it turns out that actually most of them are not... The ghosts of dead people, they're the ghosts of living people as a kind of embodiment or representation of the guilt. Yeah,
1: it's like a ghost of, like, a bad thing that you did.
0: Yeah, but, like, kind of a lame bad thing, like you bullied someone in school or you told someone that you'd, like, feed their dog while they were on holiday. (laughs) I wish that was what actually. And then you didn't do that (laughs) and the dog was really hungry. (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah, they're kind of, like, really, really lame things like that. Uh, But... You know, and in the end, then, as as uh, we were kind of talking about this, they kind of go with the lamest possible angle, don't they?
1: Yeah, the the guilt angle that they sort of um, commit the rest of the film to, uh, really, it, it doesn't seem like it has much of a payoff. And actually, it, it sort of ends up being almost unintentionally funny, I think, at times. Um And I do think it is also a bit weird how this film treats this issue of guilt and being haunted by guilt, because I think that it is a bit telling. Um, You have these really like sort of successful sort of upper class med students, and they all have like some sort of, uh, you know, thing that they did that they regret or they they feel some guilt about. And some of them, you know, are, um, you know, kind of bad, but none of them are like insane. Like nobody actually like, you know. Uh, killed somebody...
0: Yeah, I would have have loved it, actually, if it turned out that that all of them had literally murdered somebody. Some crazy
1: skeleton in their closet. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, all the the things are are, are super kind of lame. Like, the one with the... The one that I found the most unbelievable was, like, they have this really douchey med student guy who's, you know, portrayed as this, like, trust fund, just sleeps around with everything. Yeah, just treats Mm -hmm. everybody like shit. And, um, you know, apparently his uh, skeleton in his closet is that he basically knocked up his a waitress at his dad's like fucking restaurant or country something club. country club yeah, yeah. of course it's a country club and um then you know when it came time to basically you know drive her to the old abortion clinic he just didn't um and like that's basically his the nexus of all of his guilt which a i'm sure that uh he does not actually feel that guilty about it given like it, it made no sense that his character would actually feel it's like even that even register that even register on, thing, his, yeah. Yeah, on his yeah uh, on his exits b he's uh i'm sure he's done way worse stuff than that and <laughs> uh see the way that this film ends up resolving these guilt issues is it basically comes out that okay well the way to stop being haunted by this is to make amends basically And so you either make amends with yourself, you forgive yourself or you if the person that you need to um, ask forgiveness for is still alive, you basically hunt them down and force them to forgive you. In this really like this notion that um, to release yourself of guilt, that it's like acceptable to like hound somebody down who is probably like you know, gotten over it over so time. Past it. Yeah. So past it. And to, like, come back and, like, basically reopen these wounds to, just and so you can have... with
0: a teary apology.
1: Yeah, so you can basically, you know, mm. be uh, relinquished from your pain or from your guilt is, is very selfish.
0: And, of course, Nina, the, the other kind of interesting, I guess, skeleton is Nina Dobrev's characters, um, her character Marlowe, who's kind of uh, the, the slightly ditzy, you know, medical student, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, but her character um, accidentally actually killed someone at the hospital by administering the wrong medication, which, okay, you could be like, yeah, that's that's like really sad and stuff. But then the, the real crime is that she then changed the autopsy report yeah. to cover it up, and somehow, you know, after – she sort of forgives herself for doing this. Yeah, it's okay. I no forgive myself
1: <laughs> for There are no
0: really no further consequences. You know, she kind of goes to the dean of students and, and admits this and she's now on probation. Yeah, it's so
1: ridiculous. Uh, it made me so mad, especially because like the Diego Luna character in this film is the only one who you can remotely relate to, I feel, because he's kind of just like seeing these these other med students going around, like stopping their hearts and coming back and, Becoming brain geniuses, and he's like, "You all are insane, but he somehow still gets roped into it, blah blah, blah, but he has this conversation with uh, Nina Dobro's character when he's like, "You know if you're willing to change an autopsy report to lie about the fact that you' administered the wrong medicine, maybe you shouldn't be a doctor, and she was like, Oh, oh God, I, I thought you were different, blah blah blah, and <laughs> which is like totally true, like you shouldn't be a doctor if you're going to do that when you're like twenty two
0: um, speaking of people who shouldn't be doctors, can we talk about uh, about Kiefer Sutherland's character? Because I think we, we've kind of neglected the fact that...
1: Speaking of people who shouldn't be in the film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, he, so this is kind of bizarre, right? So he was starring in the original film... Um, when you see him in this film playing uh, this house, kind of house basically house, yeah, <laughs> house like a, a kind of angry older doctor with a limp who's yeah. like a real genius at the hospital um, you kind of think oh this is like sweet this is like a nod to the, the previous film mm. you know this
1: little of, did we realize
0: yeah you know it's kind of like the, the Ghostbusters remake yeah. thing when they had the original
1: character yeah yeah right you're right yeah.
0: yeah but instead it turns out you know according to his interviews and this is the only way that you would know this straight from Kiefer he's reprising his previous role
1: yeah he's not only is he reprising his previous role he's reprising his role in a way in which you know the original guy from flatliners apparently yeah became a medical doctor and changed his name like they, they don't don't even have the same name but it's supposed to be the same guy and now he and this,
0: you know nothing about this backstory nothing yeah
1: made nothing is explained um it's so obviously just like a nod to the previous film and you know some a cash grab for for Kiefer. Um, but it's, yeah, it's very strange.
0: It's still, um, I mean, we're kind of panning it, but it's still kind of doing all right at the box office, or it has done all right. Um, there's obviously like an audience for this film. Can you explain that, Jason?
1: <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I mean, it is kind of a jump, like a jumpy horror film. Um, it is legitimately suspenseful at times. I think that it's, I guess that is more of a nod or a credit to the editing and maybe possibly I don't want to give too much credit to the directing because I think that the film is kind of bad but uh yeah I guess it does build this um these situations where you 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 know are quite um nervous cuz you're anticipating some sort of jump jump scare which there are a lot um and they're, they're kind of effective um yeah I don't know I mean some of the after like the after death sequences are you know I guess well done okay but um I felt ultimately it is just kind of like a comfortable, there's no surprises. It's just kind of uh, I mean,
0: I think the surprise is, is how well everything turns out for almost everybody. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of, it's sort of sad if, if this is where the horror genre is at, where we kind of, um, I don't know, we, we can't like have a film that really like goes all the way and just, you know, where all the characters die and yeah. it's not kind of a good ending for everyone, for anyone, which I think is kind of what, what some of the best horror films are. You know, they, you know, like Descent or, mm-hmm. or Cabin Fever, which also film, uh, Cabin Fever recently got remade. But, you know, like part of the the interest and the thrill of them is that it, it ends no escape, badly. Yeah. yeah, there's no escape. Whereas this, it turns out, oh, there's actually a really easy, lame escape.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's kind but of what also yourself. what rubbed me the wrong way is because it is like... I guess it is kind of, you know, exposing um, or it, it's acknowledging the fact that basically there are no consequences for people like this, <laughs> I guess.
0: And coming, sorry, I just have to mention like another recent horror film that I thought was really great, but coming after something like It Follows, which is oh, yeah. such a great film, uh, which came out two years ago. Um And I think at the time, probably a lot of people who who like horror films thought you know this is this is it. this is like a sign that the genre it's is changing. being revived, yeah. it's like becoming more sophisticated and it turns out it's not it's literally just remakes of stuff from the nineties that are yeah. way worse than the originals.
1: yep, indeed. yeah, so it's gonna the remakes are gonna keep coming. Um, I did find it also strange that um, there's this weird not really like holiness to the original Flatliners, but like the fact that it was remade, people were like, oh no, don't touch Flatliners, no. Like as if it was like this, <laughs> you know, treasured film, which I'd never even I heard had never of. I heard of it either, no. I think this film only, the original film exists only to be one of the links in the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game. It's <laughs> like, it's the way you connect Bacon to Sutherland. Um, that's probably, you know, what it's most remembered for. So maybe, yeah, people are sensitive about that. But but now they have like you know a two steps from Kevin Bacon to Ellen Page so I hope they're happy.
0: <laughs> do you think any other Kevin Bacon films will be remade soon?
1: I was, was thinking about this, uh, and I I do I feel pretty comfortable making a prediction that they're going to remake Tremors, even though they made several sequels to Tremors. And I know that you <laughs> don't know what I'm talking about if you've never seen this film. <gasps>
0: i haven't seen it no it's the one with worms right
1: i guess yeah i don't even remember exactly what the creatures are but it is kind of i remember it had this kind of dune vibe in a way where there are these like sand worm things that live under the ground um hence the tremors but yeah I, I, that's definitely got to come back and it's, kevin bake is going to be in it still and he's going to have this like sort of clint eastwood grizzled uh aesthetic
0: I mean I feel like if, if the film Anaconda managed to have like two sequels that were quite successful I, I don't see why that won't happen you know yeah. my film about a giant earthworm monster it'll, it'll be back and be I, successful. And do you think and Kevin Bacon will come back he would absolutely
1: be in it and it's going to be straight to Netflix um, or it's going to be picked up by Amazon Studios I, I'm, I'm, this is really a very specific bet for the next next five years Tremors Kevin Bacon Netflix watch out
0: Awesome. Well, you heard it here first. Yeah. Thanks for listening.
1: And we'll see you next time.